Well, if you saw someone doing something egregiously wrong, would you say something? For instance, if you saw, you know, somebody flouting the water restrictions that we have right now or littering, you might speak up because it's so obvious, right? But what if it's more nuanced than that? Like you're at a a lunch with a friend, clearly just a social thing, and your friend then expenses it as a work-related lunch. I mean, is that wrong? Questions like that are part of a fascinating ethics survey that's a unique line of work for our next guest, actually. Dr. Kelly Richmond-Pope is a professor of accounting at DePaul University and joins us now to talk more about that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Boy, you really devise some fascinating kind of ethical questions. How do you do it? Well, you know, I try to think about just our normal human behavior. So, I teach a graduate forensic accounting class at DePaul University, and a lot of times in that class, we're talking about complex, large financial fraud cases. And what I try to do is really think about how does fraud start with all of us. And so we think about every day we make small transgressions that we don't classify as fraud, but it technically sort of is. And so... I like to really start at the at the origin of how we can rationalize the types of behaviors that we want to make or have, and that sort of spirals up to these larger cases. So I want to I want to humanize the subject in a way that I don't think we always um, are able to do. Right, in the way so it's kind of like a slippery slope. You're going to start with something small, but then you're going to show us how it leads to something bigger. Absolutely, and you know it, it's interesting because when I have these conversations. Oftentimes, um, the the audience can be split, and there can be a lot of negative backlash. Well, I'm only doing this because you know these large corporate conglomerates they they don't pay fair wage, and so I need to take what's mine. And I'm not saying that that is not accurate, but what I am saying is just how we have the ability to rationalize anything we want, and that's really I think the origin of how a lot of the Uh, massive fraud stories really start very small. But we can rationalize a lot of behavior, just like how we rationalize if we need to speed to get somewhere on time. We can say, I'm a safe driver, or um, I can multitask. and Oh, just this one time, this meeting is super important. We can rationalize so much. And um, that's really the point of using those kinds of everyday kind of ethical or stressful dilemmas. Do people even understand that they are doing that and that that can lead to bigger rationalizations down the line? I think when you when you have a conversation around it, sure. But I think when um, when you just pose the question and you see like someone like myself talking about it, you can have this reaction of, oh, well, she doesn't understand why. But it's the why that I really want us to talk about because, again, we can rationalize. So I think that um, when you can have a larger conversation about it, I do think that people then are able to see, well, you know, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe I understand how this starts small and gets larger and larger and larger. So what are some of those ways that it does start small for people, some of the examples that you give? Well, I'll, I'll use a, 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 my classic example is um, uh, several years back I um, directed and produced a documentary called All the Queen's Horses, and it chronicles the largest municipal fraud that happened in the United States committed by a woman by the name of Rita Cronwell. And she was the city comptroller 
of a very small town, population of Dixon, Illinois, has around 16,000 people. And she embezzled over $53.7 million over 20 years. Now, I bring that up to say that her first theft and embezzling from the town was very small. It was in the 20000 25000 um, range, which, again, that's still a lot of money, but it's not $53.7 million. Right. Things can start small, and most things do start small. One of the things that I do with my my classes, with my research, is I do a lot of um, on-camera interviews talking to people, so doing a lot of the qualitative research to really understand how fraud starts. And so many people can talk, will talk about that it started small. It started with um, using my corporate credit card for personal use and no one caught it. It starts small, and it spirals and gets big and bigger, bigger, bigger and bigger, like a snowball rolling down a hill and then sometimes you just can't stop it it's just gotten too massive but that's really the point of us thinking about our fraud origin story and how we all make these transgressions on a on a really on a regular basis one of my favorite examples for a situation like this and i like to ask people about this is if you are undercharged at a store do you point that out right right you know if if you're undercharged you know I think now in my life, because of the line of work I do, I I do point it out only because I think now I'm just scared not to. But again, a lot of times we rationalize, you know what? It's not my fault they didn't pick up on it, so I'm going to take the extra change. I mean, we can can rationalize why it's okay. And, And a lot of us rationalize a lot of our behavior, and we don't get caught. And that's really the point. That's why this is over. Um globally a $5. trillion problem because we can rationalize everything we want. So do you think that we should never do that, that we should, as a rule, not rationalize that, even if it's something small? <laughs> I mean, in a perfect world, <laughs> that would be <laughs> ideal, but come on. We know, we know we're never going to get there, but, you know, it's just, I think if you, um, if we can launch these discussions more, um, I think that would be better. And what I, I um, just wrote a book called Fool Me Once, Scam Stories and Secrets from the Trillion Dollar Fraud Industry. And I have um, some exercises in that book that, you know, you can do with people. These conversation starters are really, I think, the things that we need to have so we can almost take someone's ethical temperature. Like you can, you can, we don't ask enough questions to really feel, to really understand where people feel like they are crossing the line. And I think that's part of the problem. So I appreciate um, even us having this conversation so that we can have, um, we can sort of think about different cases. Well, I would probably turn this in. I probably wouldn't. You know, I think about an experience that I had where, and I talk about this in my book, where someone sent me a handbag and the next day someone sent me the same, the store sent me the same handbag. Did I send the second bag back? I only paid for one. I, and, you know, I was immediately said, yeah, I'm going to send it back. But I started talking to a few people, and they were like, why would you do that? It's not your fault they sent you an extra bag. You should keep it and sell it. That's expense fraud, which is a multi-million-dollar problem. But my friends and the people that I talked to and surveyed were right. It wasn't my fault that that happened, but I could have gotten away with it. And so the more I think that we're having these conversations of, examples where we can sort of think through and talk what people would do. I think we can curtail fraud somewhat, 
but we, there's never going to be a perfect world, right? Right. But did you return the handbag? <laughs> I did. I did. Good. I did return the handbag. Good. See, that's the thing. But you're right. We can justify it. it, it and it starts so small for people, but I doubt that they put that together and look at the little thing and connect it to the big thing, do they? Right. Right. They don't. They don't. And that's, we need to connect the dots better. We have to connect the dots better because by the time we're reading a headline in the newspaper or listening to um, a, uh, the news or the radio or listening to a podcast, by the time it's reached that point, it's, it's been going on for some months or years and it's gotten big. I want everyone to take five steps back to think about where it started and how it happened and how those teeny tiny missteps can grow and grow and grow. And that's my goal. So fascinating. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me and and, uh, having this discussion. I'm sure you'll get some feedback. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. That would be great. Thank you. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, There was an explosion. Oh, my God. The ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hurry. Hurry. Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.